Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. When I'm not preparing for or recording this show, I'm often out and about attending events in the community talking to people. I really enjoy meeting people and hearing about what they do and why they do it. People will sometimes ask me, what does a community outreach director do for an investment firm? You know, it's, they're, they're curious to know. The two usually don't go together. And then I have the privilege of sharing how I bring my passion of meeting people and sharing great resources together with an organization, Allen Becker Investment Group, that is very community conscious and philanthropic minded. Oftentimes I meet people that are really engaging and passionate about what they do, and it makes for a really interesting conversation. And if they top that off with how they're making a difference in the community, now I'm really taking some mental notes. If someone has the privilege to do what they love and have a major impact on others, that's really a winning combination. And that's what we like to highlight on the show, sharing with the community what people and organizations are doing to make a difference in the lives of others and then explaining how others can join in. Well, it's really a win-win for everyone involved, both community and individual. But that being said, there are so many wonderful nonprofit organizations in our community to give to, which is a good thing, you know, in the way of time or resources, but which one do you pick? And how can you have a maximum financial impact? Our first guest today is going to help us understand how they use collective giving to maximize their giving potential, and then we'll hear from a nonprofit that was the lucky recipient of this collective giving and what it's meant to them. So my first guest today is Ann Homestead, co-president from Impact 100 Greater Milwaukee, and Renee Mannion, who is a member and volunteer for the group. Welcome to the show, ladies. Good morning, Jill. Thanks for having us. We're excited to talk about Impact 100. We're excited to hear and share with the uh, with the community. Um, where did the idea for Impact 100 Greater Milwaukee come from, Ann, and how did you get it off the ground? The original idea came when uh, one of our co-founders, Ann Trunzo, became aware of an Impact 100 in another city. And this Impact 100 movement really started around 2001. Um, it started in Cincinnati where a woman that advised families on their money saw the amount of money that was uh, coming to women, uh, both through earned income and also through um, the fact that women are likely to inherit twice most often. They often uh, outlive a spouse, and Mm -hmm. so they have parents and uh, spouses that might be leaving money. And what she saw in her work is that um, there was a lot of checkbook philanthropy, where people were writing checks to organizations that they weren't uh, that closely connected to. And she saw a great chance for women uh, um, to get together around the idea of philanthropy and really put their money together and uh, make a difference and be much more closely connected to what they were giving to. Nice, nice. And I know there's a lot of statistics out there on women and finances and well, that's actually another show. So st- <laughs> stay tuned to Money Sense. You'll get some information on that. But um, so how did you get involved then? So uh, we our, our original four founders explored this idea and did a lot of work on their own to get our uh, charity status, our 501c3 status, and um, to talk to other Impact 100s to see how they were working. 
on things. And I got involved um, before we really started taking in members. Um, I began working with our grant process. Impact 100 is about giving large $100,000 grants um, through women pooling their money. And we wanted to map out a grants process that was really thorough because we were very cognizant of the fact that we were shepherding other people's money. Sure, yeah, yeah. So you just saw that it was a great cause and you said, I want in? I did. I was excited by that. Okay, great. Renee, again, welcome to the show. Um, How did you get involved? Well, I know one of the founding members. So in the second year of Impact 100, she invited me to join as a member and I was very excited with this idea. I've always been uh, real involved in the community and our school district doing a lot of volunteering. I'm I'm kind of a professional volunteer (laughs) and my husband and I also, um, you know, support different charities financially throughout the year. So when I heard about Impact 100, it was like the perfect marriage of my passion for volunteering and my love of learning, Mm -hmm. and the good fortune that I have to financially support nonprofits. And this was really affecting change locally, so I also like that idea. So this is my third year in Impact, and um, I've been involved in the grant review process uh, all three years, and I also became involved this year in a brand-new committee called Beyond the Headlines, They started an educational component of impact. So we hold a couple of different forums each year on topics. Um, Like a seminar? You offer uh, seminars? or it's uh, They were both evening events where we had panelists on different topics that our nonprofits are trying to help solve some of these, you know, challenging situations. So our first event was on homelessness. Okay. And our second event was sort of a primer of what does the landscape of the K through 12, you know, education system in Wisconsin looks look like and where are some of the gaps and and places that we need some help. And we talk a lot about education mm-hmm. uh, with with this show certainly, but also within uh, Ellen Becker Investment Group, and that's why we have the Education Center. You know, we invite nonprofits to use the Education Center free of charge so they can do events like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're when you're well-informed, you can make a better decision, right? So that just, it, it goes hand in hand. And we talk a lot on this show, too, about mirroring your passion with your talents. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people listening out there that are saying, similar to what you were saying, right, that you're in a position to help in some way. But there's a ton of resources out there, which is a good thing. It really is a good thing. But it can get overwhelming and confusing at times, too, because people want to know, you know, I have a particular interest in an area, whether that's education or literacy or whatever it happens to mm-hmm. be, and they want to partner with an organization that kind of feeds their passion. So, exactly. I mean, that's exactly. that's really a great way to... Um, to use that, uh, to use those talents, because obviously you can use your talents anywhere. But if you bring that to an organization that you're super passionate about, exactly, you know, it just means that much more. Um, but what were you hoping to achieve then that first year? Well, first of all, because of our model, which is that um, every woman that joins uh, gives eleven hundred dollars, a thousand of that goes directly to large one hundred thousand dollar grants that we make. Um, we were uh, hoping that 
women would be interested, that we could reach out into the all four counties that we uh, serve. So our members come from uh, Milwaukee, Waukesha, Washington, and Ozaki counties. Okay. So we were hoping we'd get a good cross group and that we would have enough people uh, join that we could hit our goal of at least giving out one of these big grants. Okay, super. Well, that's uh, actually we're giving you a little teaser because, you know, it's obvious that the more members you have, the more you're able to have an impact in terms of that collective giving donation that we talked about. So how'd you do? Well, I'm not going to have you answer that now, Anne. Actually, we're going to go take a break, so our listeners will have to stay tuned to hear how the Impact 100 of Greater Milwaukee has grown and how they've made a difference for some great nonprofits in the community. We will be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Ann Homestead and Renee Mannion from Impact 100 Greater Milwaukee. So you told us your hopes for that first year, Ann. Now I'm curious to know, how did it all work out? Well, I guess there's the tangible result and the intangible <laughs> results. So um, first, for the numbers people out there, we were so excited that first year when we got not only 100 members, but we actually hit 218 members. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yay. Double. Double the impact. So that was great because we do have a time of year where we cut off our membership so that we know how much money we have to give. Sure. So we went into that first year then knowing that we would be able to give two $100,000 grants um, to organizations as well as that extra $18,000 that mm-hmm. accumulated um, would be given in smaller grants to uh, several other organizations. Okay. Well, so so you doubled the impact that first year, uh, and now you're in your fourth year. Uh, so what what is it that motivates more and more women to join? Well, um, I can talk to that a little bit. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting was I read a book recently about women in philanthropy, and what motivates women to give is very different than what motivates men to give. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so when women hear about Impact 100 and the idea of a collective women's giving circle, they get very excited because it does touch on kind of all those touchstones of why women like to be involved philanthropically. Um, women like to create opportunities that can change our world for the better. Mm-hmm. And so Impact 100, as Ann said, is formed on that idea of collective giving to small and medium-sized nonprofits that are creating a lot of change in our local communities. And women like to um, commit through volunteering to organizations that share their own personal visions. So um, in Impact 100, we have a lot of different volunteer opportunities, plus um, the charities when they apply for a grant, they apply in one of five different focus groups. So we have charities that are involved in helping, you know, at the family level, education, uh, arts and culture, uh, the environment and revitalization, 
in health and wellness. Okay. So, you know, we can all find a little niche that um, we can get involved in that way. And, and then you pick just one organization for each right, of the for, five focus yeah. groups. And so um, how does that work then? Do people vote? Do the women vote? At, uh, or what, What's the process, I guess? Sure. So uh, the grant process um, starts for us with the nonprofits submitting some initial applications. And we have a number of volunteers that um, work in five different committees to try to sift through a lot of those very worthy applications and decide which ones of those um, we'd like to hear more about. And so um, it's an all-volunteer process. Uh, It's very rigorous in terms of it has a lot of structure around it. Um, And those volunteers are really... um, charged on behalf of all their fellow members with narrowing down um, those applications to a smaller group. And then um, finally, when those more full proposals come in, they also are evaluated. And at that time, we select just a few organizations from each of those five areas, um, each of those five areas, and we do site visits. So we spend time with them, with their staff, um, often with a a board member or two, and have a chance to really ask follow-up questions about what we've learned um, so far on paper and through our research. Well, you're really doing your due diligence, right? Right. I mean, so you're... So there's an organization in each of those five categories, typically? That ultimately gets put forth as a finalist after the site visits. Okay. Um, And we should mention we have a a small uh, sub-army of financial folks that um, are members of ours that also look really thoroughly at the, the financials that the nonprofits submit and just make sure that we think we're giving money to solid organizations. Yeah, that's important because unfortunately there are some organizations out there that uh, I don't want to say aren't worthy because many are doing such great work, but there are certain guidelines that have to be met, like you said. Yes, and it is really it is really challenging in the nonprofit world um, to keep making that money every year. And so we try to use our best judgment about uh, the organizations we put forth. Um, ultimately, though, um, Every member does get one vote at the end of the year. So the finalists come forward, and members can read about those finalists well ahead of time. And then they can either cast an absentee ballot vote, or they can come to a wonderful uh, celebration at the end of the year where we hear from our finalists, and we cast our final votes and actually award the money. Ah, okay. So you're on the calendar year, so the at the end of the year being December, um, is when the recipient gets the donation. We're actually on a, a fiscal year, and oh, okay. so our year, our giving year, ends um, in June and culminates in June with the event that I mentioned. Okay, mm-hmm. very exciting. Well, some, what are some of the organizations that you've given to? Just curious. Well, I think you're going to hear from one of them coming up because Literacy Services was one of our very first $100,000 grant winners. Um some of the other organizations that we've given to, um, and there have been uh, eight so far that have been given $100,000 awards, um, would be the Benedict Center, uh, New Life Community Development, um, GPS Education Partners, 
running rebels. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Axe housing. Um, the Down Syndrome Association of Wisconsin uh, was one of our uh, grant awardees last year, along with the Impact, this is confusing, the Impact Inc. Crisis Call Center. So we have a very yeah. similar, <laughs> similar name to them, but yeah. they do critical work that a lot of people don't know about. Okay. So. Wow, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, so a, a wide variety. Yeah, and a big difference in the short time that you've been around. Uh, what are you talked about? How people can get involved? How the different ways that? Uh, um, well, what are some of the other ways that the members can participate? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, once they become a member, right? What are some of the different things that they right. can participate in? Well, and first, I like to preface this and say, you know, when I joined this organization, and it is one hundred percent volunteer driven, I was so impressed by the professionalism of the group and how much thought has gone into creating all the processes. And it's just, I I have never been involved in an organization like this before. It's very impressive. Um, so besides the grant review process that we talked about and um, then the financial component of, of um, looking at the grants, we also need people who like to help plan social events. We have recruiting events and our big award celebration. We have people who are involved in membership. Um, so again, whatever also, their talents yeah, whatever are, right? their time If you're and an event planner, planner, get involved right? on that end. Communications and, and marketing. So we need it all. And, and uh, it's really been a fun group. And now also the Beyond the headlines, this educational component. Yeah. So, but people or women that are members, they don't have to get involved beyond that, right? You're exactly right. And from the beginning, we wanted to make sure that women felt free to have what we call a guilt-free option, which mm-hmm. would be to write their $1,100 check and cast an informed vote at the end of the process. And if they wanted to, they, they didn't need to do anything else. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to allow for the full range, especially because we hope women will join us year after year. And we recognize that in any given year, somebody might want to have more uh, involvement Mm -hmm. than in other years. Um, And that's fine, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. definitely. You've got different options, uh, different ways that they can get involved. So soon you will have five years under your belt. Uh, Have you had any surprises along the way? So we're entering our fourth giving year. This June will be our fourth giving year. And I think, uh, to me, one of the surprises has been the excitement and the amount of commitment that our members feel about the nonprofits that win both our large $100,000 impact awards and then also our smaller merit grant awards. Um, by the time that these organizations get to the finalist stage, there is a lot of um, energy and uh, commitment invested in them. And so I, I think what surprised us was 
just how we keep loving those nonprofits, how mm-hmm. we keep bringing them back, how we're all eager to hear from them and hear how things are going for them. We've had uh, women ultimately join their boards or become volunteers for them. Ideal, right? You know, you're just, again, exposing the different options, which is really what we're doing on this show, too. You know, so many times people say, I never knew that organization existed. So you're, we are giving an opportunity for all these wonderful nonprofits. Uh, we're giving them a voice just to let them know that we're out there. And it sounds like that's, you know, you guys work with many nonprofits throughout the year that are all worthy, obviously, but uh, so it's got to be difficult at times to just to pick who the, the recipients are going to be, but all knowing knowing that many of them are very well-deserved. Um, it's interesting to understand uh, how we're doing at any given point, right? I mean, you know, you know you're making a difference from all the feedback that you get from the members and, of course, the nonprofits, but it's also nice to have data to support the impact. So how does Impact 100 actually define success? I'd say we define it in a couple of ways. Um, One is that by staying connected with the nonprofits, uh, which we've given money to, we have both an informal way of doing that and a formal way of doing that. So we have a grant agreement with each of them that... um, is um, given up front about how we're going to dole out the 100000 whether it's all at one time or in installments. And then we get grant reports back from those nonprofits as part of the, pro- as part of the process so that we can get um, a chance to see, are they on track with what they thought they'd be able to achieve? Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that look like? Is there a chance for us to... Um, update our members on that. So the the outcomes in that way are, are given to us from the nonprofits, and um, we share them with our members so people stay updated. Nice. So there's uh, there's a there's a, a process in place so that you know what you're doing is actually successful, and that's wonderful. Well, thank you, Anne and Renee, for sharing with us how your collective giving process works and how it's having an impact. We appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having. Us. Yeah, I have to say, really appreciate the support too that Ellen Becker has given us in terms of sponsoring a couple of our events. Um, and I know both um, Karen Ellen Becker and, and Julie. Julie are yeah. members of ours, so we we feel like you're part of the family. Hey, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thank you for being here and sharing your passion and your mission. We appreciate it. Our next guest is actually a recipient of a grant from Impact 100, and they deal with a topic that we've discussed before on this show, and that's literacy services. At one time, literacy was defined simply as the ability to read, but today, as information and technology drive American society, that definition has actually been broadened. The Workforce Investment Act of 1998 defines literacy as the ability to read, write, and speak English, compute and solve problems at levels of proficiency necessary to function on the job, in the family, and in society. Unfortunately, the illiteracy rates continue to rise, not because more people are unable to read, but because the level of skills needed to survive in society continue to rise. So stay tuned to learn how our next guest is helping to bridge the gap between literacy and workforce development by way of education. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. 
Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. And my next guest today is Holly McCoy, Executive Director of Literacy Services of Wisconsin. Welcome to the show today, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. We're glad that you're here today. You're braving the 20 below zero, and and, uh, (laughs) we're able to come out. It's Wisconsin. (laughs) Exactly. You never know what to expect, right? We stated before uh, what literacy means as defined by the Workforce Investment Act of 1998, and they defined it as this, the ability to read, write, and speak English, compute and solve problems at levels of proficiency necessary to function on the job, in the family, and in society. Wow, that's, that's a nice broad description. So it's not only about one's ability to read. It impacts many different areas. In fact, Low literacy costs the U.S. at least $225 billion each year in terms of uh, non-productivity in the workforce, crime, and loss of tax revenue due to unemployment. So it's it's a big deal. So there's no question that there's a need for your services, Holly. That's um, right. Tell us how literacy services came about and its history, and why did you get involved with the organization? Sure. Literacy Services was founded in 1965. Next year will be our 55th anniversary. Wow, wow. Yeah, my goodness, congratulations. Thank you, we're Happy so excited. anniversary. <laughs> Early, for sure. Um, we have such a deep-rooted history in the Milwaukee community and actually throughout the state in terms of literacy efforts. We do adult basic education, GED, uh, high school equivalency diploma programming, as well as English language learning, digital literacy, and workforce development. In 2017, we merged with Milwaukee Achiever Literacy Services to become the largest adult literacy organization in the state and create a a kind of better um, set of comprehensive services for our students. And really how I came into this work is when I graduated from Alverno uh, back in 2010, there were literally no teaching jobs. I'd went to school. I really wanted to be an educator, specifically a high school English teacher. Okay. Um, wanted to work in Milwaukee public schools, but the job market just wasn't there. It, there was nothing there. So I started to look for other ways I could use an education degree, which, believe it or not, you feel like that would be, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah, and, absolutely. A lot of options there. You right. Can. But but really ended up... Um, kind of finding Milwaukee Achiever. And I just fell in love with adult literacy. There was so much about adults and parents of the students that I had wanted to work with. Um, and I, I just really appreciated kind of learning and expanding my my view on what education could be. Okay. And again, the you had uh, put an emphasis on adult literacy. So That's right. we're going to get more involved in the second segment here about what specifically you do. But the uh, the idea here is adult literacy because we had interviewed in the past uh, childhood literacy organizations and so this is a little bit different in that we're focusing or or literacy services is focusing on adult literacy um, so you heard how the workforce investment act defines literacy um, how, would you add anything to that I don't know that I would add anything in you know in 2017 we kicked off a three-year strategic plan Uh, One focus of this plan was looking at how we define and measure our impact. And so we really started to look at how we, as an organization, define literacy. And we really did realize that oftentimes people associate literacy with just reading. So if I go out and say, hey, you know, I work for literacy services, people say, oh, you teach people how to read. Yep. Absolutely. That's part of it. Yeah. That's part of it. Um, But as you mentioned, there's so many other things. There's actually six components to literacy. 
So there's writing, listening, speaking, viewing, representing, and then reading. Um, and this year we've set out to read, imagine what that can be for our organization. We've used staff, volunteers, students, and donors, as well as our board to do so. Um, kind of solicited all of that input. Um, and we're really excited in the next month we'll be unveiling that along with our theory of change for our organization. Mm. Um, and What's as that about? Yeah, so really just um, kind of mapping out what we have as an organization, what our direct impact is, as well as how it indirectly impacts a lot of our, our community needs. And so um, as nerdy as it all is, it's been really wonderful, and <laughs> we're really excited about it. So it uh, boils down to education, right? Yes. You know, again, in the previous segment, we were talking about how important education is. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of our... Uh, the, the, the top components of Ellen Becker Investment Group is providing education in a variety of different ways. And again, we offer our education center to nonprofits uh, free of charge to use for their educational endeavors. And you're better able to make a decision on things when you're educated, uh, number one. But it, it plays a role, as we said, in so many different areas of, of one's life. And so um, education is is key. Workforce development is another another buzzword that makes the news these days. And actually, Wisconsin is working really hard to come up with ways to improve it, including focusing on goals to attract, retain, and train future workforce, as well as developing a powerful resource pipeline. Uh, so stay tuned to hear how Literacy Services is embracing these goals as well. Stay tuned to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. We will be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker. And I'm sitting here with Holly McCoy, who is the Executive Director of Literacy Services of Wisconsin. She's joining me in our studio today in our Pewaukee office. Okay, Holly, so attracting, retaining, and training our future Wisconsin workforce and developing a powerful resource pipeline is how we can help or aid in this workforce development effort. So how is literacy services helping in those areas? So there's there's quite a few ways that we do that. Um, so clear, career exploration is woven into all of our programming, so no matter the program. Many of our students come to us looking to improve their skills. Um, perhaps they want to move up in their job or they're looking to kind of return back to post-secondary education or training and they're just looking to refine their skills. Um, so we offer opportunities for students to do informational interviews, tour potential employers, practice their interview skills. We do a lot of mock interviews okay. um, with our students and all kinds of other um, skill sets that help create and instill more confidence uh, in the wonderful people that we work with every day. So, so if someone's out there and they're saying they want to take advantage of the literacy services or the services that you provide, mm -hmm. how do they go about get? do they have to apply? Do they just call you and say, you know, we need some help? How does somebody get involved? So there's lots of ways, um, and we try to make it as 
accessible as possible. So definitely our website. You can go on our website and find contact information for any and all of our staff. In addition, you can uh, call us up and we can set up an appointment. We do have nine uh, locations throughout the greater Milwaukee area. And we really try to meet our students where they're at. So we know that there are lots of barriers to our students um, kind of reaching their academic goals. And so we want to make sure that one of them isn't where we're located. And so um, those different lo locations are strategically kind of looked at throughout the city. And we really make sure that thing um, they're on bus lines and students can okay. access them easily. So you go to the the various locations and the people come there to basically that's right they're what's closest to them and as you said getting off the bus because that's important you know they it's may so not important. have transportation to get to where they need to be so again let's break this educational process down you know there are a number of different ways that you said literacy services helps for those people that are wanting to take part in in uh, what you have to offer so you had talked about high school credentials can you elaborate on that absolutely so oftentimes when people are thinking um, in their heads about how an adult might get a high school credential, they think of the GED or the General Education Development Diploma. Um, and this is a national standardized assessment. So it has four tests. Um, and then in addition to passing the four tests with a score of 145, you also need to pass the civics exam. So, for example, science, there are 35 questions, and you have 90 minutes to answer these questions. So you need 65% correct answers to pass the GED science exam. Mm. And, and really, the new GED is not, um, there were some kind of myths floating around that it was impossible to pass. It's not impossible to pass, but the new GED is, is much harder than the previous GED series. And in part, um, it's been more aligned to when you pass it, you're college ready. And college ready is, to a certain extent, subjective mm -hmm. um, because there's so many ways that people can be intelligent. Right, right, right. Um, and what does so, that mean exactly? Exactly, exactly. Um, and so that's, that's one of the ways that a student can get that. But then... Also, our Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction has special PI codes that are written in um, to offer alternative adult high school credentials. And so we have what is called a high school equivalency diploma, um, specifically a public instruction code 509. I know that's a lot of PIs and acronyms. What's PI? What's PI? Public instruction. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so we at Literacy Services offer one of these high school equivalency diploma programs, and actually it's based on just that. People are intelligent in so many different ways. There is not one specific way that someone is smart. Sure. Right? We all have different strengths and things that are really amazing about each of us as individuals. And Including so, soft skills, not only the STEM yes. you know, related skills, but there's so many different vocations out there that in so many ways people can be gifted, as you say. So Absolutely. And so so our high school equivalency diploma program is really a competency based rather than standardized test based program. And students work individually or in groups to apply the knowledge that they're learning. So they might read a book and do a project or do a presentation and really um, kind of applying those skills in a more meaningful way. Um, and both offerings are rigorous, but allowing students the option of one over the other gives our students better pathways to success. So we're not saying this is the only way you can be successful in our program. Um, we really try to 
assess students' academic abilities, work with them, and then really empower them to make the decisions that are best for them because they're adults. Right. Well, and also there's different styles of learning, right? I mean, different people learn different ways. And so to, excuse me, to find ways that, um, uh, to better take advantage of the, the style of learner a person is, I think that's, that's helpful as well. Um, vocational guidance. You guys help in that in that area as well. Yeah, we have some really amazing community partnerships. Collaboration is central to our model for student success. Uh, we know that no one organization can do everything alone. And so we really focus on what we're good at, adult literacy. Um, and then we've teamed up with other organizations who specialize in specific workforce development elements. Um, of programming that are complementary to our mission. So for instance, we partner with WRTP Big Step. They provide the training and preparation for the skilled trades. And together we offer a construction focused high school equivalency diploma program. So that's nice because yeah. again, skilled trades, maybe it wasn't looked at as a viable option for students before, but that's definitely changing. It is changing. I mean, not only yeah. from the student perspective, from, but from the parent, the parental uh, side of things too. Instead of pushing your kids towards college, maybe that's not, maybe that's not what they want. Maybe they want yeah. to go into the trades. So that's well, nice that you're supporting that as well. No college, you know, college debt is something that definitely, if we can find, if if a student is interested in the skilled trades, there are so many career opportunities. Um, and and the wages starting out, we really try to mo- make sure that we're moving our students towards livable wages and the apprenticeships that you can get out of upon exiting our construction HSED are just really wonderful. That's what I understand. Yeah, yeah. certainly a viable option. So, I mean, that program is 320 hours. It's 16 weeks, four days a week, four hours a day. So students are really committed to what they're doing. Um, they're focusing on curriculum obviously in the skilled trades, so OSHA, hands-on building. Um, and then we at Literacy Services are offering um, the HSED program that's complementary to what they're learning in their construction skilled trades. So we uh, wrote the curriculum that kind of pairs very well with that. Um, so, so adult students in that program are then on a track that aligns better with their goals and prepares them for their next steps. So this program was initially funded by Impact 100, who you just oh, had yes. on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're so grateful for their support. Um, 72% of our graduates from that program um, are employed after graduation. So Impact is about creating the access and opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And Impact 100 really believed in innovation in our space, which I tell people all the time in the nonprofit space, innovation is really about collaboration because too often we're working in silos. Um, Back to the vocational question that you had asked about Um, We also partner with MATC, so we do offer a healthcare customer service track as well as an administrative professional career pathway track. And then we also work directly with employers, um, kind of meeting them also where they're at, um, helping their their employees kind of improve their skills. So oftentimes employers will bring us on site uh, to maybe do English language learning classes. We've done writing workshops uh, to help improve email communication. Oh, very good. So all all kinds of different things. Nice. What about um, 
Uh, you and I had talked prior to the interview about uh, language barrier education. Um, you're working with uh, students who are challenged with the English language. Yeah, so we serve students from over 85 different countries. Uh, volunteer tutors help us with a lot of that um, in meeting our mission. We do a lot of one-on-one tutoring in our English language learning space. We also offer other instructional modes, though, too. So we do conversation groups, small group classes. Um, but the English language can be tough to master, and we try to offer as many opportunities for our students to practice and engage to meet their goals. Um, oftentimes it's, I just want to be able to communicate better with my kids' teachers, or I want to be a manager at my job, and I know that if I improve my English skills, I'll be able to advance in that way. And so when students share their goals with us, we just try to figure out, like, how can we help you do that? Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to talk about how someone coming from a different country can assimilate. Um, you know, my daughter is, is uh, studying this semester in Spain, and she chose Seville because she said that of, of all the different places offered in Spain was the place that she could really use her language skills and to, to, to have to speak and present and do everything in Spanish is different than just having to take a Spanish class, for example. So like you said, they want to be able to communicate with their teacher. They want to be able to uh, write a paper, for example, uh, in English when that's not their first uh, language. But being able to assimilate into in, in, into our communities is so important. So knowing that that is an option that you provide is is wonderful. So if someone wants to become a volunteer tutor, what's what's the process then? So volunteers are the heart of everything that we do at Literacy Services. We hold monthly volunteer uh, tutor orientations. Uh, we have a, a morning and an evening. We try to make sure that we can offer those at a couple different times. Dates can be found by visiting our website or you can always call our office. We are always interested in those who may not um, be able to make the time commitment to volunteer tutor. So there's other ways that you can give to literacy services. Uh, but volunteer tutoring is typically a, at least a once a week time commitment and it does take up about two hours. Now it's very flexible. You mm -hmm. can come to us and tell us what you're interested in tutoring um, as well as kind of when you're available. And then we find a student who has the needs uh, that you've kind of expressed interest in helping tutor in, and then we match you up. Um, I'd like to say that there's some sort of science to it, but really, <laughs> there isn't. Um, and, and really, at the heart of it, like, people just create these really meaningful, organic relationships nice, that I just don't nice. think you see enough of mm, that's all for the time. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, relationships. We had uh, another organization on before where, where retired teachers went out and worked with children that were uh, uh, needing tutoring uh, that were at or below the poverty level. And they were talking about how important that relationship piece is, you know, to develop that first and then go about what you need to do. So that, that relationship piece is key. Uh, are there any other opportunities that exist to help advance the mission of literacy a services? Absolutely. So we are always looking for professional volunteers as well. So perhaps you are, are a gifted graphic designer or you want to be a career coach. We are open to ideas that anyone might have about how they might be able to use their gifts and time and talents to kind of merge them with our mission. Okay. Um, we're always collecting donated books. 
Um, and giving to our organization is also always helpful. So we appreciate contributions made to further support um, and, and our mission. And those can also be made through our website. Okay, so getting to your website is just Googling Literacy Services, as simple as that? Yeah, literacyservices.org. So if you know our name, it's very easy to find us. And, okay. and we're typically the, one of the first ones that pops up okay. because we're one of, one of the, the main people that does that in this area. And you've been around for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, Facebook page? Do you have a Facebook page? We do have a Facebook page. Okay. We're working on our social media, you know, savvy um <laughs> there's there's a rhyme and reason apparently people tell me so um there's a way to find you right? there's a there's a way to find us absolutely. for absolutely sure. well thank you holly for sharing how literacy services is making an impact in the way of workforce development in our community we, we appreciate all you do for young adults still in school and those that are transitioning into the the world of working and also adults that want to just enhance their skills so thank you very much for sharing if you'd like further information about who we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. If you're not in your car listening to the radio and you don't have a radio in your home, do what the millennials do and find a way to listen using some other kind of technology. You can tune into the show via your laptop or the iHeartRadio app or by saying, Alexa, play WISN AM 1130. If you miss a show, no worries. You can just visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired interviews. Join us next Sunday morning to learn more about some great people and nonprofit organizations that are doing great things in our community. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great Sunday.